All right, so hey guys, this isn't Tracy. This is actually her best friend, Girdley. And because me and that crazy girl have been through like uh, 10 years of adventures, I thought I'd hit y'all with a disclaimer of sorts. First and lastly, do know that whatever the hell Tracy shares in this podcast comes from her very own treasure chest of magic, logic, and good intentions. She's definitely not a therapist alternative, but she does believe it's inhumane to withhold what feels like gangsta insight. My girl's not for everyone, but she just might be for you. She's beauty in the Yo! What's up, Glow Gang? Tis I, Tracy G here with episode two of She's Beauty and the Beast, the official brand spanking motherfreaking podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys sincerely just so much for rallying behind the premiere. Me and my self-confidence are rather grateful. And by the way, when you get a chance, make sure you sign up for my newsletter. If you haven't already, jump on my site, she'sbeautyandthebeast.com. Why do I want you on my newsletter? Because I share a lot of um, sparkling life gems that I've either found within or found on the Internet. (laughs) And I give you first dibs on what I'm creating to further our emotional empowerment, like new audio vision boards, wake up calls, everything of that nature. I share it all exclusively with my newsletter squad. So jump on in that. Okay. Let's move into the matter at hand. I want to have a combo with you guys centering on beauty as currency. Now, I've been thinking a lot about how social media prompts many of us to be top salesmen when it comes to our physical blessings. That's how I'm going to put that. And sometimes we forget to water other aspects of ourselves, a.k.a. the intangibles. Or we just... Or we just completely forget what the hell we actually look like when we take off our perception, when we take off our lashes. Oh, our lashes. Yo, I remember when Instagram stories first dropped and a lot of girls were saying, IG needs to step up their filters or this relationship ain't gonna work. Insert ellipses here. Now trust me, daddy. I love me a filter. I'll even tell you, I love wigs. But I'm worried we're focusing almost entirely on outer appearance and that it just might stunt our overall growth. Anyways, hold that thought. Sometime during the summer, I was at an amazing panel that was about um, improving race relations. And I met the phenomenal Dr. K. Boyce of Multiple Avenues to Success. Now, she specializes in assisting people in the recovery process of life. And I don't just say that to mean like, you know, maybe you're thinking substance abuse, addiction. No, when it comes to social media addiction, when it comes to recovering from a bad breakup, the full spectrum of recovery. And she's also a personal development coach. Uh, I was beyond intrigued by this presentation she has called My Beauty is My Brain, My Wisdom is My Worth. And I obviously thought that she'd be perfect for detangling this topic of beauty as currency. So, you know what? Let's just get right into it. Let's talk about survival of the prettiest. Well, Dr. Boyce, thank you so much for just sharing a slice of your time with me and the whole She's Beauty and the Beast squad of all all of our listeners. And like I told you before, I am so damn impressed with your work. If knowledge was wealth, I consider you a freaking billionaire in my eyes. (laughs) Like that is just where I place you in my mental museum. And um, like I told you before, A running theme I noticed in um, conversations I've been having with a lot of my girlfriends is kind of this this ever blooming idea that 
beauty is a form of social currency. And I think the first glaring example of that to me is the rise of the Kardashians, uh, which for better or for worse, I don't know if their omnipresence would be so strong if they weren't so fun to look at, <laughs> you know, and and that's cool. That's cool. That's a part of their strength, their makeup, whatever. But what happens when that sort of trickles into the masses and becomes a part of a generation zeitgeist, you know, and obviously history has long shown a pretty face being peddled for consumerism. Um, and to an extent, that's fine in my eyes. But in excess, I think there's a point where it's not fine. And I worry that with our current times, like with social media, many of us women will be tempted to put major emphasis on our outer appearance and lower emphasis on the other facets of who we are. So obviously, that's a lot to digest. Um, so to kind of just put our first toe into this topic, um, how would you define beauty? Sure. So I'm definitely going to go ahead and um, respond to that. I first wanted to say thank you for the kind words. It was an absolute pleasure meeting you as well. And thank you for the opportunity for me to um, contribute and connect in um, this space. I definitely enjoy connecting across a variety of different platforms. So the uh, second thing that I wanted to say is thank you for being so responsible because I think we share a lot of the same concerns. Mm -hmm. um, it's a concern that obviously because of my training and my background and the work that I do that I've seen the implications of what it's doing on a massive level, particularly as um, young women are developing and coming into a sense of self, but it's not just the young women that it's impacting, it's also impacting perception mm -hmm. as well as the quality of engagement in relation for young men. And when I say young men, I'm speaking for the entire continuum because it starts early and it transitions into our adulthood. So without further ado, let me go ahead and address um, your first question, which is how is beauty defined? And um, I want to connect that with sort of the context that you provided, i.e. the Kardashians, and if they weren't so fun to look at, if they weren't beautiful and a beautiful face sort of being toted. Mm -hmm. So consumerism, I think what often is missing from the dialogue is context. And so while on a surface level we're talking about beauty, the reality is, well, who's defining and shaping this image of beauty? And I think that's, first of all, what we want to put into context, because anytime you have a particular image or images that are consistently being provided as uh, what beauty is, that becomes the standard. And I think um, the reality is that it's absent of a variability of what we should be defining as beauty. So I think the issue that I have is that it's very narrow. And right. so... What I describe to them when I'm working with women and men and young people, I really do sort of a reframing and redefining of what beauty is. What we socially, as you mentioned, on the masses come to understand is beauty. That's social beauty. Mm -hmm. True beauty is defined, however, by our self-worth. And just to break that down very quickly, our self-worth is essentially a commitment to ourselves. You know, are we truly committed to ourselves, understanding of ourselves? Do we have a deep understanding of ourselves, a development of self? Are we working actively and aggressively toward developing ourselves? And then a level of self-acceptance, and just to sort of sum that up and put the period on it, uh, as you mentioned, it's really drawing people toward this 
preoccupation with the external um, perception of what beauty is, which mm-hmm. can be very fleeting, versus the internal um, sort of currency of who we are as individuals and letting that beauty shine from the inside out and really looking at beauty from a, from a multidimensional perspective rather than this narrow lens. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, with that said, I think a lot of times people... Um, well, say, okay, if I put up all of these, like, photos of me with my ass chewing on my thong and I'm showcasing my body and it's supposed to be body positive and it's very empowering, I'm taking back my narrative that that's a form of self-love, um, which I could see an argument being made for that. Uh, but on the other end, some people will say, well, that is extreme form of narcissism. And the word narcissism is being used. That's probably a major buzzword of our current era. And so I'm wondering, in your opinion, as a holder of a PhD, (laughs) what do you think is, what do you know to be the difference between self-love and self-absorption? Hmm, yeah, great questions. All right, now we're getting warmed up. So, um, very valid. And so, self love is just to unpack that a little bit because I think, you know, oftentimes we throw around these words, but do we really have context and meaning and ownership over them? So, self love is about the exploration and acceptance of self from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to self-reflect and be introspective about the best of who you are and areas of enhancement and still love you. You know, understanding that you're a work in progress. And this isn't something that happens overnight, but it's definitely something that we have to understand that every day it's about, you know, my frame of reference. And as I always mention, I'm not above this. Am I waking up with the frame of mind that I want to be a better version of who I was the day prior? Now, self-absorption, on the other hand, is a preoccupation with self that ignores other essential areas of your life and your development in addition to your genuine regard and the quality of relationships you may have with others. Mm. So that is what I would say the difference between self-love and self-absorption. Okay, so then taking that, another self-word is selfies. <laughs> and I remember seeing mm. some type of story. I forgot what magazine this one was, well, this was, but someone was making a case for how um, the number of selfies on a woman's profile is a direct correlation of how much self-love she has and I was like "Hmm, I'm not really a thousand percent sure about that because in some instances we can go to someone's profile and it's like a selfie for every moment of the day (laughs) and it's just a collage of photos so now adding in um technology and how that is tremendously impactful because you're talking about when it comes to beauty um on a surface level how it can be defined is whatever Um, current consistent images are being fed towards us. And I forever say that repetition is the mother of learning. So we're learning um, through what people repeatedly show us. And the medium to show us is social media. So can we reach a point where, you know, there's too many selfies? (laughs) Is there any negative that can come from just, you know, almost being paid to not even almost there's a lot of people who are paid to just spend a day editing selfies and if they do not have a selfie up on the board then money is being lost correct 
So I'm glad you um, finished there because you said money is being lost. We have to understand the society in which we live. It's built on capitalism and consumerism. They go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about who we are as a masses and we're consumers, there are going to be certain drivers and influences that are intentionally going to be fed to have us be socialized and conditioned to behave in a particular way to keep certain infrastructures finance. It's that basic. So when we talk about selfies and whether or not we've already reached a critical mass, I would say I think we are already at the tipping point, uh, to be quite candid. I'm not a fan of selfies. Um, I'm not a social conformist. Um, Interestingly enough, the fact that we've been talking about selfies, and this is why I always go back to sort of the source and the core. Um, So selfies really became a thing after Ellen took that group photo, you know, of the Oscars in 2014 after that everybody was taking selfies and it became the thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I believe we should be living with intention. And um, the question becomes, you know, I, I, am, I am a fan. I want to be very clear. I am a fan of having nice photos of ourselves. Right. But to, to the degree that it must be captured all day, every day, is absolutely overkill. It's mm-hmm. absolutely overkill. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to intention and purpose, which is still connected to where we start out with this idea and this concept of what true beauty is from the inside out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, that, and what that perpetuates and communicates, because I, just to add one more point, you know, this, there's absolutely no correlation between the amount of selfies. And there's a, a lot of bad science out there just trying to get people to be robots <laughs> and not think intentionally to be. I'm being quite candid and transparent. So mm. um, you'll have. You know, and I've, I've actually seen them myself, these stories of individuals who were posting selfies all day, every day, and the amount of time that they put in to trying to get the right pose, the right lighting, I can't even imagine they were progressing in any other area of their life. And when they hit their tipping point and hit rock bottom into recognizing that they were really perpetuating an image that's not a reflective of who they truly are, um, you know, it came out in the media, if you will. So there's absolutely no correlation between the more selfies you have and your value and how you value yourself. And I think the other thing we really want to think about is that, you know, this is definitely a generation where we can look, uh, well, future generations are going to be able to look back and really pass judgment and assessment about how we conducted ourselves, what we're doing. So I think it's important to us to pay attention about our digital fingerprint as well and what it means to have so many images of ourselves out and available across the net. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because we we almost celebrate perception more than we celebrate reality because perception is a form of escapism in a lot of ways. And it's crazy because I was just talking to one of my girlfriends and saying, yo, I feel like I always have to be camera ready to some extent because someone's phone is going to be in my face doing a random um, spontaneous like snapshot of of me or just putting me on Instagram stories, putting me on Snapchat, I should say, you know, it just mm-hmm. it can get a little like grueling because we are in a time where you're able to self-edit within two seconds. You don't like the photo? Delete. <laughs> I'm going to create um, my profile for myself, literally and figuratively. You know, I'm going to train right. your eye to seeing me in a particular way. And yeah. if you catch me off guard it can almost shake you to the core. It's like, oh, my God. It, it puts you in a, a, and it can be a, a very fragile state of truth. 
I think that's real. That's absolutely real. So, yeah, <laughs> and on top of that, we live in such a, you know, everyone has a camera at the ready. Everyone is a sort of self-proclaimed photographer, and as you mentioned, the editing qualities as well. So we live in a very intrusive society. We do. Um, and I've been in spaces as well where, um, you know, already there's a camera. And no, 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 I, I didn't give you permi- permission. My face doesn't want to be in your phone. I'm sorry. Thank you, but no thank you. Mm-hmm. And I think exercising that with, um, you know, certain level of social decorum is okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Everything doesn't need to be documented. Yeah. You're completely, completely right about that. Um, But then, like, we have some guests who come on the show, um, some, like, you know, woman artists, and primarily their images on social media aren't of their intangible gifts, whether they sing or they write or whatever. It's their actual flesh. And they'll say, well, this is, I'm using this as a gateway. You know, if that's the first thing that's going to get men interested, that's fine. I just want them in the room. And do you think that there are any disadvantages of of using beauty as a gateway for a bigger purpose? Like, is that okay? Right. So that that is a that question is relatively complex. Um, If we just stick with the context of what you mentioned in terms of women who, it seems as though you're referring to, you know, artists or they have some type of talent in some way, shape, or form, but they're relatively fronting the physical beauty as you put it very candidly, the flesh. (laughs) Even for me, Dr. Boyce, like, it's interesting. I'm sorry to cut you off, but just so I can inject myself in this as well. If I look at my Instagram, photos of me, myself, my face get the most likes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I could have just hit mm-hmm. someone with wild game and personal development. I could have just, you know, put my soul on a platter in a, in a form of words. But the number one image that gets the highest number of likes will always be my face. And when it comes, because everyone has the opportunity to brand themselves, um, and and I don't know. We're just such. We we all have this insatiable curiosity as to what the next person's doing. What is your neighbor's life like? You know what I mean. We're all kind of voyeuristic, or a lot of us are voyeuristic to a degree. And you want to you want to see, mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to see. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. I I always have to make sure I'm finding a a balance of the internal and the external because I guess because the external is so immediate and you you can view it. You don't have to experience me to see what my heart is you know what I mean you you, I feel like you need access like real keen access to me to see what my insides are you know but people just want Mm -hmm. to see the face the face right (laughs) versus just the content or the words that you have to offer Mm -hmm. um if I if I follow you correctly so I think there's a difference between face and flesh as well as space and content, right? And so we live in a very visual society. It's nothing that we can escape at this point. We live in a visual society. At first we were hearing, well, men are visual, men are visual. And my comeback is, well, women are visual too. Now everyone is visual because we are inundated with access to visuals every day, all day. So getting back to, you know, as you injected yourself into sort of that scenario in terms of women, I think everything is within context. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have to recognize that as women that we are essentially representing each other. And there are a lot of 
patriarchal run and led institutions, whether we're talking about marketing, advertisement, media, whatever the case may be, that continues to contribute to the misogynation, the objectification. I can go on and all the Asians of women. <laughs> so I think when we recognize that we are a representation of, you know, this thread that has been very, very hard to sort of filter through and break down in society and the implications and the ripple effects of what we as women may have to do and how we may have to sort of concede to the flesh or the face in order to qualify. I, I have, I take issue with that. And, you know, being someone, you know, as, and I can inject myself in it as well. I'm very particular. There's certain things about our beauty as women based on how we are designed and made that we just cannot hide. Mm-hmm. But when that has to be sort of your claim to fame, I think the bigger question is, are you able to live with yourself? And moreover, what is, what is the threat of your brand? What is the messaging? I think the one you have an idea of what the deeper meaning is. If you have strategy, I'm all for it. But I think the reality is understanding that that could really be how you get typecast and then what are you going to do when you can't come out of that because you led with that. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And also, you've dug an even deeper hole for yourself, for yourself with that because that's your livelihood. That's where all your money is coming from. So then you have this fear of if I stop doing this, my checks will stop arriving. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So we can look at art. We can look at artists. Um, you know, let's say current mainstream artists, and you'll have some who, and you know, you have those who can absolutely blow, and everyone has a different dimension of being bona fide in their respective, you know, artistry. But there are some who will consistently show up, not even naked, naked. And then there's those who are appropriately packaged. And, again, everything is subject to preference. I come from a space of no judgment love campaign. Who am I to judge you? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if that is your claim to fame and that is how you're defining your brand, the question that I have is are you really A-OK with that from the inside out? Because at the end of the day, beauty is fleeting. Self-worth, however, is enduring. Mm. So in terms of the longevity of your brand, I think we really want to understand the implications. And for those of us who have access to influence, I think there's a responsibility in communicating not just to, 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 to women or young girls, but a, a communicating to the masses that I am more than just one dimension of how you may choose to do, see me. I am multidimensional and I am multi-gifted, and I'm going to package all of it and release it within my power as I see fit not because the system or the framework or the institution. At some point, we have to redefine a reframer, and I think as women, we relinquish our power, thinking that we have to conform to this cookie-cutter scenario. Right. Which, you know, I'm right. the doctor that's a rebel with a cause. <laughs> so I'm not a social conformist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, and at the end of the day, um, it's. I think a lot of beauty has been dictated by... Um, as a way to benefit male consumption, you know, and and sure. as a way to belittle us to just beautiful beings, you know what I mean, where the emphasis is on beauty and not on the brain. And I think some people don't take 
issue with that you know if they have a lot of male fans they feel like it can um sustain them because it's a form of validation and you know science tells us that men are horny 24 8 (laughs) so so long as i keep the visuals you know looking sharp everything's gonna be (laughs) a-okay but uh what can go wrong what can go wrong if you look good all the time? And now it's like when it comes to plastic surgery, it's not just a luxury of the rich and famous. It's very much accessible for, um, you know, the average woman that is working any job. So, so you know what? Going into that, what questions um, should one ask themselves before you go and get any type of procedure done? Because I, I was reading something that said with a lot of plastic surgeons, they'll have women who come in and they don't see any glaring part of their body (laughs) that really needs an adjustment or a face but because there's just so much out there it's like why the hell not and and in some ways it's like okay it's you know this body is a shell it's not going with you to the next life you know you're not going to be able to put it on again like a dress in the afterlife I don't think (laughs) so f it have a ball while you're here you know what i mean i see that as well but i'm interested in your opinion when it comes to um plastic surgery Mm -hmm. so um i too have um seen certain uh i would say shows or investigative profiles where they're actually talking to plastic surgeons and they're talking about the variety of clientele that they serve and how some of the women come in and they absolutely, and you know, some who actually operate from a space of integrity and they actually will reject them and say, no, I'm not doing this, which I respect. Um, So when we talk about plastic surgery and ultimately altering our bodies at the end of the day, I, I think the part that's often lost is the psychological factor and many of these Many of these issues, for some women, it's, you know, everyone has a different story, but some of these issues start very early on. You know, I'll, I'll just share with you. I um, just actually took on a new client recently, a 13-year-old who's being bullied about her body. Hmm. And she's 13 years old. I mean, 13 years old, there's still so much more to de- development ahead. But the beautiful thing is that she's in therapy right now. But when that goes unaddressed, you grow up. And you develop into an adult woman thinking that you're void of beauty in some way, shape, or form because you weren't socially accepted early on. So it's a psychological aspect that I think often has to be explored mm-hmm. versus just the quote-unquote quick fix because oftentimes it's not just one thing, or I want this now, I want that now. There's always some level of altercation that we're pursuing or chasing. And the other part of it, I think, however, is going back to these visuals and these images of beauty and what we as women think that men want to see. The danger is that is that you ultimately lose sight of who you are, who you really are, and you likely won't be satisfied because you're always going to be looking for another enhancement, another alteration of something. So whether it's for men or for someone else, we must really redirect the focus inward and explore who we really are and who we want to be. And I just want to just quickly also address, while, yes, we only live once and we don't know what's going to happen in the afterlife and, well, you know, just one body. And I think there's also a way that we should be respecting the body as our temple and not necessarily just, you know, flippantly going under the knife to have alterations and really figuring out 
you know, how do I rock with what I got? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this is what got, how do I rock with what I got? What aspects of me can I enhance? But that becomes a challenge on a psychological level again, going back to all these visuals. And this is why I tell people sometimes, sometimes you just need to turn off the TV. Sometimes you step away from the magazine and TV because it's no good. It's right. no good. Right. So, so true. In terms of the essence of who we are as individuals, beauty is so multidimensional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And ever evolving. When you're speaking, it reminded me of um, a story. I'm about to take your hand and and let's go on a tour of pop culture real quick. Um, Amber Rose, I remember she tweeted something and said, you guys, you know, addressing her haters. I'm always she said, I'm always receiving criticism about what I'm wearing, what I'm not wearing, you know, how much I'm showing, how much I'm not showing. But if Beyonce is dressed, you know, scantily clad, whatever, no one says the thing. And it went into, I guess, a bit of a debate about defining classy versus defining slutty, you know, when it comes to, a, and, and, you know, forms of beauty, and particularly when it's nudity, where on one hand, someone could say, no, but this is art. On another hand, someone can say, this is mm-hmm. pornographic, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I remember having conversations with my friends about this because that's, that's interesting. And I think um, I like the come up with Amber Rose. Um, I love that she's about female camaraderie. I think lines mm-hmm. get a little bit blurred because Beyonce is mainly known for her words and doesn't and make sure even if she is scantily clad every single sentence that comes out of her mouth is um taking on a form of strength where there's a very clear dichotomy where you almost have no choice but to think of empowerment when you think of Beyonce if you're ever going to think of her as looking gorgeous right after that thought comes feeling empowered like that's how much she's made sure it there's a balance in her in her brand versus I think some other times you can have a lot of fun, you know, playing dress up and um, accidentally fall into an imbalance. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right. but what is the difference right. between, yeah, slutty and sexy? That's what it is. Slutty and sexy. So I think it's uh, very subjective, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And I always go back to how we just socialize and conditioned. And so everyone has a different baseline, perhaps because of what they were told, because of what words of validation or points of attention they may receive very, very early on, again, into our adulthood. So when we unpack this concept of slutty versus sexy, everyone's looking at that from a very, very subjective lens. I think... A piece of it, however, that is essential is being body conscious. And being body conscious is understanding your lumps, your bumps, and your curves that make you all of who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And how am, I, how, is, what, how am I packaging myself? In what respective settings? What's appropriate? Um, and so I think when we're aware of our body types, when we're aware of how to package ourselves, where it's not, again, that... Again, in terms of how we, there's a great variability to who we are as women, certain things just cannot be hidden. They can't. Yeah. But I think there are attempts to either tone down or either put on front street certain aspects of our physical self that, yes, can be perceived as bloody versus, um, 
you know, classy or sexy and, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps a little bit more tasteful. So I think there's a lot to be said about material, about how things fall on our bodies. Just because it looks great on someone else doesn't mean that I should particularly have that on and vice versa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. I'm wondering, is our pursuit of beauty instinctive? Because, and and I'm talking about that as um, a consumer of beauty and also as um an owner of beauty as well because we can't help it throughout all the ages of existence it just seems like if you have this quality that makes someone you know catch their breath for a second that is a part of your je ne sais quoi you know you that Mm -hmm. that might be the wild card about you that gets you in the door you know, and I'm just wondering if basically a nature versus nurture type of thing when it comes to mm-hmm. um, the, the power of beauty. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, um, another great question. Truthfully, I think there is a dimension of who we are and just our makeup as human beings that um, that makes beauty instinctive. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say it's beauty in the narrow sense, because if you um, you know, just in terms of, I think about perhaps like, you know, a, a baby or, you know, engaging with a baby. Sometimes it's just the beauty of a smile that would light up a connection with someone. Someone, sometimes, as you mentioned, like the Genesee Qua, it's within, you know, the shape of eyes. And so I always want to press beyond this perceived concept of this narrow dimension of beauty. I do believe there's a part of it that's sort of unspoken, not certain why, can't necessarily explain it, but we're just drawn to certain aspects of people and, you know, the full makeup of how we engage kinetically with them. Um, so I do think that there's a part of it that's instinctive. How much <laughs> remains <laughs> instinctive, I'm not sure, because from very, very early on, we receive very covert and overt images of beauty, um, which shapes conditions and influences our overall understanding and pursuit of beauty. Mm-hmm. So it gets very watered down, ultimately, but I do feel like there is a thread um, instinctively in our makeup as humans in terms of um what we perceive as beauty. And I don't think it's sort of across the board at that very pure state. Mm -hmm. So then what do you think, how much of a role should physical appearance play in our pursuit of love? Because a lot of times when it Mm -hmm. comes to what we are attracted to, I don't know, it gets a little murky when it, like you could say something is your preference, but then in some ways I could say, well, this is your social conditioning. Right. We're all subject to it. I think at the end of the day, it's acknowledging that we are all subject to So, so it's about operating at a, a higher level of awareness. So realistically, we all have preferences. Let's just put that out there. Whether we're aware of it or not, mm-hmm. we all have preferences and things that we like. We live in a society where, as I mentioned before, we constantly overwhelm with these visuals, which is sort of shaping our lens. Our eyes are receptors. So, you know, the first time you see something, it's just like, wow, yeah, I, I want that. I like that. So, But I think there's a danger when we narrow our pursuit of a love on this single dimension like physical appearance. And I say that, why I say that um, is because let's imagine worst case scenario in the physical appearance phase. What sustains the love then? Are you off chasing a new love? Right. So while it can be a very strong component of what, you know, gives you that za-za zoom that we're all looking for. And I think that's valid, to know, but I think it's about having a higher level of awareness about, well, what do I need in a package? Because I can I can 
see the physical appearance, but is that enough to sustain me for me to pursue love? If in the event it fades, then what? Mm-hmm. So I think, and that goes on both ends, you know, the pursuer and the pursuee. So I think it goes on both ends of understanding that while uh, we all have preferences, and I think that's okay, looking at a bigger picture and understanding what we're pursuing should be more um, substantive and more multi-layered. Yeah, absolutely, man. Shout out to the multis, man. It's like the best prefix <laughs> around. <laughs> it really is. And when I say multi, you know, I'm talking about character, integrity, all of those other things that will sustain, particularly talk about love, the pursuit of love. You're talking about the pursuit of lust, that's a different conversation. Mm. <laughs> but your question was framed in pursuit of love, mm-hmm. which should be something much more substantive so yes shout out to the multi while we're talking um it reminded me the timing of this is perfect because one of my uh very very good friends she's in the same frame of work as me as far as emotional empowerment personal development with women and she dives deeper into spirituality she put up this gorgeous photo of herself that um caught me off guard in the best way possible but she's at a beach and um in, in my, you know, with my receptors, I looked at this photo of her in a thong as artistic. And her caption was, I grew up with this idea that only hoes showed their ass and that only hoes took pictures like this, that only hoes did so many other things. A big part of my healing slash Saturn return has been recreating these standards on my own terms. And then she said to the old antiquated standards of female sexuality, kiss my ass, divine rising. And I looked at that as... um her seeing beauty um, for herself and defining it for Mm -hmm. herself and not letting it be defined Mm -hmm. by the outside world, particularly the outside world that carries balls and penis. (laughs) And in in that instance, I saw this as a great showcase of self-love also because I know she's not going to go now on a freaking ass showing streak (laughs) and that's going to be her, you know, her thing. But now it leads Mm -hmm. me to, since we've um, kind of been speaking a lot on, you know, disadvantages and, and challenges and kind of like, Um, little warnings, things of that nature. What are some suggestions for cultivating self-love? Because we're definitely not here saying, and you've mentioned this before, but just to make it super clear, it's not saying not embrace your body. It's not saying, you know, I cannot walk past a Sephora. I always walk inside a Sephora. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's it's not about um, shunning anyone who likes to express their beauty to the fullest extent. I think this is just a conversation about um, balancing the scale. Because again, to me, when something is done in excess, there might be a little lack of awareness living there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so when it comes, since we define self-love and self-absorption, how can we magnify our self-love? Mm-hmm. So the first thing is, um, what does quality time with self look like? Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm coming from a clinical and therapeutic perspective on this um, because I would love to get to a point where there's nobody on my couch. And that's <laughs> because we're all off, you know, being busy about the business of life and doing well. So the first thing is what does a quality of time with self look like? And do we take the time to really figure out who we are and the vision that we have for ourselves? When we talk about some of those strategies, it's, Stepping away from some of the distractions, stepping into a space of, um, you know, being willing to date yourself, learn yourself, know yourself, 
and address whatever areas of enhancement. And that's sort of where our conversation started as it relates to my redefining what true beauty is, which is self-worth. Mm-hmm. So once we have that, I think it becomes really the commitment to sustain that. When you have a commitment to sustain that, you're so mindful about what you're going to allow to come into your psyche in terms of your own internal as well as what other people speak into your world and your life. And by default, that becomes who are you surrounding yourself by. So there are a variety of different strategies. So, um, you know, going back to what you were talking about earlier with the Kardashians and, you know, is that sort of your dominant lens in terms of what you're taking in as a source of entertainment, as a source of beauty, as an image of what you want to emulate? Or are you recreating and charting your own territory as an individual beautiful being that's going to define that? by yourself. Mm -hmm. And finally, I would definitely say ultimately in terms of, you know, these strategies around self-love is what's our game plan in life? Are we just existing or are we actually intentionally living this life to actualize our dreams, our visions, and our goals? Mm -hmm. So once we get really invested with the business of life, some of the things that we're distracted by, by way of conversation, by way of mental preoccupation, are not even top of mind or at the tip of our tongues because we're that much more invested. And it doesn't mean that self-love and being empowered, all of those things can be a part of that vision. But absence of having a vision, you can be swayed on any path in this journey of life. So those are the things that I would say are sort of key strategies, where whether it's a you know, seasoned individual, whether it's a young lady, a young man, a seasoned man, it doesn't matter at all who we're connecting ourselves to, how much time are we spending with ourselves, how much time, how much are we pouring into ourselves, what are we pouring into ourselves, and what is our overall vision as it relates to life and how are we sort of charting our own destiny and our own path to actualize it while we have access to this gift of life. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. Absolutely. I've been... Um... Uh, a girl had hit me, this was a couple months ago, and she was like, I feel like self-love is such a heavy task. And when I was thinking about how to answer her back, and I was like, you know what? Love isn't always immediate. You know what I mean? Like, think about mm-hmm. when you're dating someone, you don't go on a first date asking about, are you ready for marriage? And and so I realized on the pursuit of self-love, um, we should date ourselves, in an instance, you know, like yes. we, we we know the steps to falling in love with another person. And I think those are applicable to falling in love with ourselves. And when you're you're dating someone, so much comes before love, like fun comes before love. You're like, OK, is this you know what I mean? Is this someone that I mm-hmm. can have fun with? And you build mm-hmm. trust by is this someone who stands by their word? So I, I think it's discovering how do I have fun in solitude? You know what I mean? And um, yeah. And and when I say I'm going to go to the gym and I actually go, that's building trust with yourself. Right. And if you say you're going to do something and you don't, then you're you're um, the percentage of you, you know, reaching a point of self-love is low because <laughs> you can't trust yourself. Exactly. And that's, that goes back to that commitment to self. Right. Mm-hmm. How committed are you versus looking for someone to be committed to you when you're not even committed to yourself? Mm-hmm. So when you talk about that, having fun with yourself, and that's what I mean by sort of spending time with ourselves. And it doesn't mean that we have to go into the mountains to do this. No. Essentially <laughs> <laughs> carving time out to really stand in the mirror and look at 
you know, our souls, look at our spirits and who it is, and really framing that vision, that profile, who do I want to be, acknowledging, you know, the areas of development and really, you know, being okay with it and taking the steps. And ultimately when we're talking about aligning ourselves with someone else, if I am not okay in my own skin, in my own space, if I am not prepared to bring joy and happiness and or even able to identify that, how dare I burden someone else with that? Mm. when I don't even know how to do it for myself and expect for it to be a successful, healthy relationship. I need to explore that with me first. Mm-hmm. That's extra real. Extra real, yeah. Somebody's going to write that on a post-it, I'm sure of it, and put it smack on their mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that person just might be me. <laughs> with that said, Dr. Boyce, thank you. Oh, my goodness. A million and one thank yous. This has been such a fruitful conversation. I took so much away from it. So I know that um, there's going to be a number of people who feel the same way. So just I'm so appreciative I'm so appreciative of all the work that you do and I'm really excited for um the this course of life for you where it's going to continue to take you so absolutely thank you so much and thank you and again thank you for being so responsible with your platform I'm sure it's blessing many people and thank you for having me today yeah yeah so I know that you know why it was an absolute must to have Dr. Boyce as a guest. She is pure freaking excellence, man. But she is also not on social media. Surprise, surprise. However, visit her site, multipleavenuestosuccess.com. She is available for speaking engagements. She is available for a wide variety of therapy sessions. If you've got dough, if you've got health insurance, I think that she is well worth the investment. And, oh, if you want to take this subject a bit further, check out my audio vision board, The Pursuit of Self-Love. I think that goes hand-in-hand with this episode's topic. And beyond that... Thank you guys for lending me your ears once again. If you rocked with what you heard, do me these three things, por favor. One, make sure you've subscribed to the She's Beauty and the Beast podcast. Two, leave a rating in iTunes. Heads up, I'm going to start doing some giveaways up in there, so listen out in the near future. And three, give the kid a gift of sharing. Any tweets, posts, et cetera, et cetera, are super appreciated. If you have got a friend who does not have iTunes, guess what? SoundCloud.com slash She's Beauty and the Beast. They can listen to all the episodes up in there. And finally, I'm going to eventually do Q&As where I answer y'all questions about anything regarding me or my thoughts on a particular um, subject or dilemma. Only thing I am asking from a very dear place in my heart that you send me a voice note of that question. Uh, You can remain anonymous. You can snag one of your roommates and have them voice your question. But I want those vocal cords, you little sweet Ariels. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, email me, Tracy at itstracyg.com. All right. Long ass outro, but big ass love for y'all. Till next Tuesday, babes, keep the soul lit. She's beauty and the beauty.